Hello, friends. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash geekcastlive. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hey, Knuckleheads, GCR here telling you to get over to DeathWishCoffee.com. Use our discount code GEEKCAST to save 15% on coffee, mugs, and DeathWish Coffee merchandise. Thank me later. GeekCast Joe here. If you enjoy our show, be sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us every Saturday morning on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search GeekCast Live. Hey guys, Rob Bass here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like our podcast and want to support us, be sure to check us out at patreon.com slash geekcastlive. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash geekcastlive. It's a trap! Knuckleheads, welcome to episode 323 of the GeekCast Live podcast. I'm your host, GCR, and with me, as always... Uh, not Rob Bass. <laughs> and Cartoon Joe! <laughs> uh, it is that time of year where Rob leaves us for an episode to go uh, frolic, I don't know, with the... Commune uh, with uh, the, the satyrs or and, something. And, and uh, the bass nectar. Right. And he's at Electric Forest, and... Uh, uh, Which yep. always guarantees good stories back. Yeah. Yeah. Last Very year, little good music, but great <laughs> Last year, if you remember, he uh, he got down with a Honda uh, 11 kilowatt uh, generator. I actually think it was a Generac. It was more <laughs> horsepower. It probably was but a Generac. you're looking for there. Not a lot of whole house generators in uh, at Electric Forest. So. This year, I hope he comes back with a story about like uh, like an inappropriate relationship with a bounce house. <laughs> <laughs> Are bounce houses big at, uh, at the ZDM thing? I don't know why they wouldn't be. It's, I can only assume. I mean, my knowledge of a, of a EDM music festival uh, ends at uh, there's not a lot of showering, <laughs> or muscle tone, or muscle tone, or or um or uh, tanned skin. Oh, you'd be surprised how much tan skin there is there. It seems to me there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, I wear jeans and I wear sleeves, so my mom doesn't know I'm a cutter. Mm, Where are I think that's the wrong type of festival, man. <laughs> this is like Burning Man, but it's like focused around music instead of burning people or whatever it is Burning Man does. Well, maybe I'll go someday, but as of now, Barefoot in Skank House is uh, just an album I like to listen to. It's I feel like you're confusing it with like a Juggalo festival. <laughs> I might do. <laughs> Magnets. <laughs> but with, with less suicide notes. <laughs> uh, and, and We're on the sliding scale of, of racial diversity, do you figure, at an EDM show? Oh, it's almost entirely white. I guarantee it. So so hard right. Yep. Yes, yes, most likely yeah. most likely hard right. That's, uh, that's probably correct. I don't know why, why Rob can't just, you know, nut up and do a, a remote podcast instead of that. I'm surprised he even has service. Last year he didn't. Well, I'm not sure I want to. You know what? No, I would I would have liked a, a nice live snippet from Rob, even if he just popped in for a little bit and said, like, hey. Yeah, five minutes. Hey, I'm, uh, in the background is this, you know, 
this guy's wearing goat pants, <laughs> and uh, and I'm out. This is my friend Dale. He's got uh, uh, centaur legs and uh, nipple pasties. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't have to wear pasties, because it's totally cool for a dude to just be have his shirt on. Right, but he will have pasties anyway. He has centaur. <laughs> oh shit! I tell you what. Speaking of uh, speaking of men wearing pasties who are also half centaur. Should we talk about your dude This is one of your. Can we talk about your dude review? All-time best tactics that you're able to somehow bring that full circle. Can we talk about your dude review? Because it's almost. Let's. We we may as well have said this is my friend Dale. He's a brat nut. <laughs> I just I came across this by accident, but something about Bratnat seemed like it had part of our lexicon. I didn't so. I didn't know like I thought at first it was maybe like a like a fish out of water uh movie, like a coming of age superman type panel with these two women who uh you know go to the senior party. And then it turns out the whole movie's about nothing more than fighting brat Nazis at a, at like a seven eleven. It kinda took that turn. What was that movie that uh Jason Piles made me watch? American, uh, what was it? World of Paris? Yep, but with, um, with Lex Luthor in it. What was that? With <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. no. about, uh, um... Uh, Not Pineapple Express. It's, a uh, he's, uh, he's like, uh, uh, Max <laughs> Landis with, did it. Right, with, with that, uh, wooden case. Right, with um, female Pinocchio. <laughs> right. It, it, this movie d- did one of those dudes where it kind of, you think it might be here, and they go a, a hard right to, uh, Crime fighting sausages, and then they also fight like some sort of like, like a mo- like the sausages are created from some sort of demon who vomits them. Yeah, it went all dogma on it with like it's not a Gregorian shit monster, but it's like a uh, like a animated <laughs> rack of ribs. Yes, that's what it is. In case you're wondering, we're talking about the trailer for a little ditty uh, called Yoga Hosers, and that's with an H. Um, Done by Kevin Smith. By Kevin Smith. So this- already had a good book. Makes fun of Canadians, which. Uh, I was at a work function with my Canadian team members last week, all four of them. Shout out to you guys. So I'm kind of right for some Canada hating. And uh, I'm just watching. I'm just going through a, a whole slew of different movie trailers, and this comes on, so I'm kind of not sticking my head. And I was kind of giggling and laughing because, you know, anytime you can say oot de boot, it kind of makes me smile. But then all of a sudden, uh, it's Bratsies. Bratsies. Yeah, not Brat Nazis. Bratsies. That's my fault. Uh, and Hitler, Hitler cryo-froze some processed meat product animated henchmen, I guess it's supposed to be, but it, yeah. who have, uh, you know, and then our two heroines um, used their newfound mastery of uh, Warrior of the Wall 1 and Warrior 2 to <laughs> right. do some horrible CGI destruction of Brat Nazi. Yeah, well, how come when you squash a Brat Nazi, it turns into, like, a, like mealworm? It's like radioactive goo in mealworm. It's like, a, it turns into the, the vampire things from The Strain. <laughs> it's so strange. But it really is bizarre. And who knew you could kill it with a, what appears to be a shot room? Right. Yeah, or um, doing, like, a like a trust fall. Right. Or, like, like, a drunken kung fu flip and land your heels on it. Oh, and Stan Lee's in it. Right. So, you know, automatically it's... So it at least gets a six point five. Right, it's part of the Marvel lexicon now. Honestly, if you if you give me if you told me in a vacuum, I'm going to give you a Kevin Smith, Stanley cameoed 
kind of Canada hating comedy. I mean, I I go, go blind to see that. Mm-hmm. I just it, the trailer goes full dust till dawn on you. It it's suddenly like it gives it, you the whole story. No, well, not only well, it, it gives you the entire story. It's it's the free state of Jones uh, theory of well done. Of, uh, that's well of done. trailers, which that's is just so I'll just give you the whole on. movie. Um, I'm still gonna watch it. I think. <laughs> But it's got, it, it, what I meant by Dust Till Dawn is, Dust Till Dawn's like, edge of your seat, one of the best movies you've ever seen, and then suddenly Salma Hayek is a vampire, and the whole movie... And it, it all goes to hell. Right, suddenly Cheech Marin is not what he's supposed to be. It, it's just, it's... it's uh, Doesn't somebody have a cock gun? Sex Machine does. Yeah, that's right, Sex Machine. Mm-hmm. Sex it's not a type of movie you watch twice. So. Maybe you watch the Summer High part twice. <laughs> well, yeah, that's excellent. So, but but that's what that trailer did to me. It was like, oh, look, this is a cute little, you know, this would be like female super bad with Kevin Smith. What? Right. Now, now they're fighting. Now they're fighting like dressed up as Hitler, mustachioed bratwurst with arms. Because according to the trailer, there was a, a sleeper Hitler cell in one of the places. <laughs> that's right. Nine, nine, <laughs> so much nine, it's almost ten. <laughs> Uh, check it out. You find it now on that interweb thing. But uh, check out the trailer for Yoga Posers and have a laugh on us. Uh, yeah, so that was a decent review. Did Joe have any thoughts? Uh, I couldn't be less interested in that movie if it walked into my house nude. <laughs> what about the trailer? No, it it literally just doesn't look any interested. There's there's a reason I compared it to Sausage Party that way because I'm not interested in Sausage Party either. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know what we were doing there. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't enjoy the trailer either. But I couldn't be less interested in that movie than walking in my house naked. <laughs> Oh shit! That was a good line. I will use that. I Thanks. will use that. Uh, well, it was a good do review, though. I mean, that it was a great pinch hitter. <laughs> it was. So I've got. Uh, I do have two guests on the docket, by the way. Thank God. Uh, well, you know, we can only talk about the racial spectrum at EDM concerts and brat Nazis for so long. <laughs> I think. I don't know. We've never done it. I, I think we did well for that. <laughs> um. Uh, one of which has been on the show before, uh, Chris Dalby, the uh, admin extraordinaire of the uh, world-famous Song of Ice Empire discussion group on Facebook. And our other guest is uh, is also an admin of the group. Ooh, that was a fun noise my computer made in my ear. Did it make it in your ear, too? Nope. No, it did not. Wow. It's just a treat for uh, you. Damn it. Dalbers? Ho-ho! It's my guy. Don't ho-ho me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I KRT is not allowing me to uh, add her to call. That's amazing. Well, it's a good thing I reached out. No, we don't go out live, but we rarely, but we rarely edit in post production, so it's just a. Uh, Except when you have uh, racist assholes who you regret inviting us on the show. Right? Yes, yeah, racist and sexist assholes. Uh, he, uh, were you listening to our EDM discussion? <laughs> that, were, you, were you part of this? Uh, no, but I got a lot of it from Brian. <laughs> well, we've got thoughts on, uh, on that topic. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of deep dive, Chris, into into some uh, Song of Ice and Fire book and Game of Thrones show discussion, and we could only we could only think of uh, there's only two people that we thought to bring on the show. One of them is you, so say hi. Thank you. Hey, how you doing? And, and one of them is the is the suddenly internet famous uh, KRT herself. 
<laughs> oh, you're here. Hello. Hello, I'm here. Oh, Kristen, Frida, how are you, ma'am? I, I'm fine. For some reason, um, Skype did not want to add me to your conversation, but now I'm here. It's bizarre. Um, I would, I, 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 I think you're probably tired of it and, and almost maybe even borderline embarrassed of your internet fame, but I love it. And uh, this is a treat for me. I, I could be more excited about it again. <laughs> Would you would you like to would you like to tell everybody a little bit about what happened during Baltimore? I'm sure because it's kind of amusing that um, all right. So we we I had approximately uh, four seconds of sleep, and we we got up on Sunday morning to go to the signing, and um, while we were waiting outside, and it was all very orderly, and they were calling us by tickets, and you could only go in ten at a time or something like that. And um, Laura, who you have you've had on the show before, um, she said to me, "Oh my, oh, what are you going to ask?" And I was like, "Fuck, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that it would be like a, a book signing factory. So um, I quick thought of a question and I thought about how I would word this question, and and it seemed appropriate to ask it at the moment. And so he. He, I handed him my first edition of Feast, which is my favorite book. Amen, lady. <laughs> also mine. Oh, and I said, Feast is my favorite book. And he said, oh, thank you. And I said, um, will we learn how Brienne is descended from Dunk? And without skipping a beat, he said, eventually. And, wow. and there was there was a period at the end of that sentence. Like there was, you know, eventually. And then he said, there was a big pause. And he said, all will be revealed in time. And I said, uh, well, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to that. And I sort of skipped away on my little cloud. And then I thought, oh, my God, he really, he just basically confirmed that Brienne is descended from Dunk. And so I put it on the Facebook group, just thinking I was telling you guys. But then Adam, you guys, have you guys ever interacted with Adam Whitehead? Uh, no. Okay. You should interview him. He's a great guy. Okay. He is. Um, Ryan, make he, a note. And he runs. He runs. Um, his, he has his own blog called The Word Zone, and he's been covering A Song of Ice and Fire on his blog, amongst other, you know, things that interest him for a very long time, and has met Martin several times. And he put it on the, his blog after he confirmed with one of George's minions that it was indeed confirmation, and then it went viral from there. So luckily, I didn't actually include my name anywhere. Like. Adam didn't include it at the time, and I was fine with that. And I'm sort of glad because it went so viral. Yeah, it was on. It was on BuzzFeed, Vox. <laughs> it was on Yahoo, Top News. Uh, George yeah. R. R. Martin confirms big mystery. <laughs> Which is sort of amusing because if you if it's not really that big of a mystery, we've all believed it to be true. But I guess the fandom is so starved for any any book related news. That's a true thing, right? That we can sink our teeth into. Um, so it was, it was very funny. And, um, it was, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I didn't hate it, so. But Kristen, you're actually hiding a small part of the story. You're well, not I am. Just, you're not just internet famous anymore. I believe had a spotting in real life as well. Oh, I have. I, oh. um, <laughs> so I was at my, my daughter's eighth grade promotion ceremony. 
And um, uh, I got mentioned on the History of Westeros uh, podcast, YouTube. I guess it was the, the YouTube thing they do by name. And um, so a friend of mine who's a fan, I, unbeknownst to me, came up to me and said, so I, I heard your name on History of Westeros. <laughs> Uh oh! I know, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that was me." Um, and yeah, our friend, our daughters have been friends since they were two, and I had no idea he was like listening to History of Westeros. Or um, also, he's a huge um, Brendan B. Fish fan. Uh, so it was kind of funny. I told him he should join the Facebook group. We'll see if he does. Uh, it has, Rock star. Uh... That's e- easily the most famous. Well, besides Danger Five, most famous guest found on this boat. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. I'm clickbait famous, though, guys. Just clickbait. What counts in in this day and age? That's top level of fame. Yeah, right. There's like it's like you and then Honey Boo Boo. Yeah. We're gonna Chewbacca Mom. Chewbacca Mom. <laughs> yeah, we are gonna. Chewbacca Mom, or I will. She doesn't just giggle with a mask on her face. No, she doesn't get invited to Ellen either. They made an action. Really? Did you know that? We we live in a. Did know that? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I did not know that either. Well, we're we're happy to have such lauded members of society on our show. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and ask. I'm going to out myself because I'm sure there's at least a few people listening that are feeling this because I I don't do my due diligence on the on the site that much. Um, where did where did you or or your hive mind make that connection to Brienne Dunk or in, in verse? Because I had never heard that or thought of it. Okay. So what's uh what's give me a quick version on that? Can I give a quick version on that? Um, well, or a long it, one. I got all mine. Okay. Well, there are several hints in the books. Um, there is the sort of out of narrative hint that um, George at some point in time said that we would meet a descendant of Dunk in the in the book. And, um, and that he had left a feast, he had left a hint in A Feast for Crows. Um, most people think the hint is the shield. So, um, when Brienne takes, uh, the things that Jamie gives her and sets off to the Riverlands, one of them is the shield of, I believe it's House Lofton, right? It's the bat. And it's a, it's a dead house. And people object to her carrying this shield because it's a dead house and she's not a part of it. So she meets a woman in somewhere in the Riverlands and she has it repainted. And she recalls a shield she had seen in her father's armory on Tarth. And then when she picks, when she picks it up the next day from the painter, it, it matches the Dunk shield as described in the Dunk and Egg book. And so, uh, so she's that, that, carrying. That comes back to me now, but I would never have. I don't think I would have made that connection on my own. So yeah, it's but like it the the shooting star over the big oak tree that he has painted for him in the in the first book in the first Duncan Egg story. So I there's other comparisons. You know, um, she's Jamie calls her uh, thick as a castle wall. That's a dumb thing. That's of course the physical comparisons between the two characters. She's so tall, all that kind of stuff. Um, she's a knight who's not really a knight. He's a knight who's not really a knight. Stuff like that. If you believe that Dunk wasn't really knighted, which I believe. And of Fantastic. course, if the, if the other connections are true, that would make Hodor and Brienne third cousins. Yeah, that, there's the other uh, assumptions about that. Hodor, which as we all know means hold the door. Brienne yeah. means uh, uh, bring bring me in is what she. Oh, I, th- I thought it was bring me a hen. Bring me a hen. Which is why she bring had to. Which hen. is why she had to kill the hound. Bring me a hen. Exactly. Because all he wants yeah. is a fucking chicken. And yeah. that's where you understand that D and D have been doing have been making the show far more closely to GRM's vision than any of us. <laughs> <laughs> 
even 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 the sublime Christian Retreater did not make that connection. So walk it back, haters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you guys know that that Brienne meant bring me a hen, and that's what, and now that's why her name's Brienne. It's, it's, uh, it's really beautiful the way they work that into the show. I love it. That tomorrow is on Vox. I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> The whole goal is to just become clickbait famous now, one at a time. So we kind of, on this show, we talk about uh, Game of Thrones because it's, you know, we don't really have a a new book to talk about and it would take a lot of man hours to really do justice talking about the books. So we kind of decided that we would maybe just get some bullet points and get some smarter people than us on here to talk about it. That would be uh, you guys. Well, that's debatable, but I'm happy to be here. No, you're 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 damn near encyclopedic with your knowledge of this book. Yeah, I had thoughts, and now I'm going to just sit back, and keep it to myself. <laughs> having having been on a on a Song of Ice and Fire quiz team with Kristen, it is a bit scary. It's it's approaching Rain Man level. <laughs> uh, 232 <laughs> So, I'm also really quick at Google. Don't worry, guys. I I cheat all the time. Oh, perfect. We won't. Uh, we'll even edit that out. <laughs> so your secret's safe with us. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the first question I had was what? Uh, it's actually one of Nick's questions, and so I'll, I'll let him define it as any questions. But the biggest plot holes that the show ignores. Now I don't know if that's plot holes within the show that the show itself is ignoring, like, or, or if it's plot holes from the book that the show's ignoring. I'm not sure which one you met there, Nick. I that actually wasn't my question. That was actually okay, it was mine, I think. That was Joe's question. Joe's question, then. Um, I meant I meant just just in the show, not including the book. Okay, so we're talking about like uh like uh, Arya's plot armor. Right. Thanks. Thanks for missing the book show parallel, Joe. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> No, yeah, like that, or like um, uh, when inexplicably seven or eight episodes from now, uh, the North has an army, even though it's been totally decimated like eight times now. Uh, well, I, w- I was going to say, um, like a, a quick example would be like how the the show has just chosen to ignore the who hired the cat's paw to kill Bran yeah. sort of plot, which isn't really important, but it was included in the show and now no one cares. So, Literally. Yeah. Um, and of course, Joffrey's dead, and it's sort of a pointless conversation, but they did include that little moment, and then they never they never sew the thread back up the way George did. And I think that would be, I think that would go a long, not best particularly, but would go a long way in maybe buying some fans back, so to speak, if they would um, just have the care to close thread, like closed loops. Because mm-hmm. they don't, they don't close a whole lot of loops, or they do close loops and they do it in the way that they close the whole Dorn loop. They just they just stabbed it in the back with one swift, tiny letter opener. Right. I mean, I, th- I think that's actually one of the major issues. It's not only about addressing open loop seasons ago; it's about contradicting themselves, even just on the, on the show. Um, there was a stupid decision earlier this season to, to say that Danny is in fact immune to fire. Correct. Which George R. R. Martin said when dragons were born, it was just a one-time miracle. Yet, if the Targaryens are immune to fire, how did the series die? That's a small thing that, that bothered me. The, the big arcs that they failed to close, if fans have moved on, if fans have forgotten, it could be accepted. But it's 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 taking the idiot, the audience for a ride based on the own show's consistency. For example, early this season in episode one, when um, when the Sand Snakes magically appear on the ship to murder Tristan. Yeah. When at the end of the in the last episode, you see all of them on the dock as the ship sails away into the horizon. Right. How? What? Uh, water, water moccasins. Exactly. So I think it's more egregious even the, the perhaps smaller potholes, but which show just lazy, lazy writing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they also, um, I was bothered by, like, the the plot where Stannis burns Shireen because, of course, you know, the snow is so thick and they, they can't go on. And yet everybody else is moving around in the north with eat, right? There's no snow. The little finger can come and go. Little finger eat. can come well, and go, too, let me tell you. <laughs> like, leaves in a bound. Yeah. Well, he, we all know he has some, you know, his magical hardest. plot hole portal power. Exactly. But, so uh, but I, but I'm, I, I'm, I don't understand that sort of idea that you know that we're supposed to buy that he's going to burn his daughter alive in order to relieve this problem, and yet no one else has this problem. Well, and more important, well, not more importantly, but that fire, that pyre that she died in, was hot enough to um, uh, to melt her bones. There's nothing left of her <laughs> but the wooden stag. Yes. Which wooden stag. Yes. Which is now twinsies with her, because it's burned on the same side that she was. Oh. oh. Wow. Even by our standards. Oh. <laughs> Five points for Slytherin. <laughs> this won't be the first time that I'm going to be like, huh? Because uh, if you guys remember from last time, maybe you don't know, I've only been very recently peer pressured into trying to watch the show again. Um, I, I held fast for years. So I'm fairly early into it. Um, so what you just said is something I hadn't heard. And I, I just, I'm just amazed at, at all the leaps the show is taking from the plot line, well, at least as, as it stood at the end of, of Dance. So Shireen's is, dead now? Oh, is this Nick's way of saying we need to give him a spoiler alert on his own? No, <laughs> not at all. I No, no, not at all, because it's all... I, I call it fictitious bullshit, so whatever the show does is what it does. <laughs> but I'm just surprised, like, Ryan and, and Joe did a deep dive a couple episodes of the whole... Uh, Hodor deal, which I guess does fit at least somewhat along the lines of what's supposed to be coming along with the George, you know, plot line. But it seems like every other thing I hear from the last season and a half of the show is so, you know, just off on its own deal. Um, so if you hear me do like a huh, that's just me being you know, four seasons behind the show and not knowing uh, some and, of these and yes, absurdities. And yes, she is dead. What the serious fuck? Yeah, Melisandre uh, talked uh, Stannis into burning his own daughter. You know, Royal blood and all. The snow is wet and full of terrors. Stannis is dead? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. Stannis is yeah. too. Yeah, unequivocally. Stannis is dead. That's Killed that's... by Brienne. No, he's not, you guys. The one true king! <laughs> <laughs> I do. See, that's, it, it should. He is one of my favorite book point, characters. And one of my least favorite show like characters. They, they I, I, I've, I've liked season six, too. For the most part. That just proves that they, the show, have just completely decided to do whatever they will with Stannis. I'm only just finishing, what, season two, early season three, and everything about his character and his character's actions is so, you know, what I call untrue. It's, it's, I'm, so I'm not surprised, I guess, that he's burning his kit and he's dead. But for the record, too, I am I, on the background of my TV right now. I have uh, episode nine up and running, and I have a, I, I have a new name that I've picked up for 1-1. One, one. Yeah? Yeah, giant Liam yeah. Neeson face. <laughs> <laughs> That's if we could start calling him Giant Liam Neeson face from now on. That would be. Dumb. Oh my God! Yeah, because that's uh, that's what it is. I don't know if because took me a while, but I see that now. <laughs> um, second question: uh, most and least satisfying deaths. Well, I think everyone would put Ramsey at the top of the most list. Oh yeah, satisfying. Fuck, Ramsey's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. Something else. Maybe you should. Yeah, Jesus. Don't get your big rubber masturbating. I think you need to go do something else for about forty hours, man. <laughs> How did all all this happen in one season? This god awful show. <laughs> 
Yeah. Was it, but it was satisfying at least. Oh, oh my gosh. And I'm a I'm a true like I complain about the show <laughs> vocally and loudly and everywhere anyone wants to listen to. And I I cheered. It was well, uh, I I Howard Dean in my living room. Oh, yeah. He eyed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good Howard Dean. By the Thank way, you. Too. Not too bad. Did you just reference the Howard <laughs> Dean scream? Yes. Yes. That's Joe for you. No, that's awesome. <laughs> you got to be everywhere, you know. You should do a political podcast. <laughs> if you can somehow avoid telling me who killed him for the remainder of the show, I was much in your debt. Oh, who, who stopped? Who, who didn't? Who killed Ramsey? Yeah, I mean, if it happens, it happens. I, I certainly don't deserve any spoiler alert, but uh, I would love to see him meet his doom here. It was a uh, gastrointestinal disease. <laughs> it was no, no, no. You got to be more relevant than that. It was Zika that killed Ramsey. <laughs> a very virulent strain survives in one. <laughs> also, zigzag, Rickon. For Christ's sake, yeah, zigzag. Run backwards. Even just run backwards. Well, well then he wouldn't have been playing the game. Yeah, or that. Or literally anything, what, what you did. Yeah. That's my least satisfying death. Okay. Written? Yeah. Mm. Are you shitting Mine, me? <laughs> Mine is the blackfish. The blackfish. Good God. The blackfish was very unsatisfying. Sir Barristan. Bar- Salmi was unsatisfying. All right. I gotta Sir go. Barristan by hands gotta, down. I'm gotta, sorry. Oh, yeah. All of this shit happened one season of the show. No. No, 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 no. no, two, three seasons. Well, I thought the last two were the only two that deviated from the book. The yeah. five yeah. people you just named were all alive at the end of Dan, where I basically read for it. So, yeah. what They're the hell? Dead. Well, Randy, Rickon, the Blackfish, they all happened this season. Yes. Do you know, does anybody, is that following the general Winds of Winter plot that we know about? I mean, or is it just the show doing doubt what it. the show does? Yeah, it seems really show unlikely. Ramsey, this this season, Nick, we've lost Ramsey, Rickon, Blackfish, Lemon Cloak, Lem Lemon Cloak. Oh God, what a travesty! Uh, one one, Phelan, Phelan, killing me. Who else have we lost this this year? Barristan. That Doran. happened last season. Doran, Ario Hota, Tristan Martel. I, well, I heard about the Ario part. I guess that yeah, Tristan Martel, Hodor, all of the children yeah. of the for, of the forest. He wasn't Blood Raven, though, necessarily, was he? Is there anybody left alive who is interesting to the storyline? Yeah, Uncle Benjamin. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Benjamin. He was, uh, him and his elf. Who is Cold Hand. Yeah, he's Cold In the show. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I would also say, uh, we, I thought, uh, least satisfying, I would put Mance on that list. That was very unsatisfying. Yeah. yeah. And um, I put Stannis on both least and most. <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's fair. The, the thing is for me is, is I rate them based on the show's consistency rather than with expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think given how mm. they deviated from Stannis and given how they deviated from Mance, um, those, those deaths were, were unsatisfying but, but understandable. Whereas Barristan, it was just, we have no more plot for this character. Yeah. Um, and that's the same for half the deaths that happened early in season six. It was simply shit, shit, shit. We're coming to the end. We need to reduce the plotline. Well, and that's like the huge Dorn situation, right? Like we introduced this. We don't know what to do with it. We fucked it up royally. Now we're just going to stab everybody. Like that. Such lazy production. We thought they, they don't even stab the, the characters disliked. No. no. It, that, that scene for me, this show has has turned to largely a little bit of fan stuff, right? 
the way Ramsey dies and, and, and the way Sansa's coming up and the way Danny's coming up. Dawn was literally one of the most unsubtle fuck yous of the entire fan base I've ever seen in any show. Very poorly done. I agree. Are you? Are you? Uh, all of the direwolves oh. have been short of like Grey Wind, Summer's death, Shaggy Dog's death. I don't get it. That was actually going to be my answer to the next question, which was to one of the questions, which is when the sh- when the show jumped the shark. Yeah. And for me, it was the direwolves since the beginning. When I I don't mind that you're throwing away key concepts of the show or, or that you change characters. That's understandable. But the rise of the direwolves alongside the Stark children is simply. The mortar that holds the books together. It's 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 a connection between the Starks and, and, and the Northern mythology and the old gods and what's happening beyond the wall. It ties the the place of the Stark children in the story together, and that was just thrown away for no reason. Mm. Truly, uh, for for me, I think it was uh, bad pussy. I think <laughs> where the show <laughs> just lost me. I think that's where the I think that's where it jumped the shark. Was was bad pussy. Pretty bad. It was uh, that's the low. That's the lowest of low the show has had. I think. I'd ra- I'd rather see uh, Ario Hota get stabbed with a nail file and die instantly again than hear that line. Only only seconded by uh, what was the comment this season about uh, um, like what what were the Dothraki talking about like uh, oh. hair. Oh yeah, and, you know the color of Danny's pubic hair. Right. They basically, they were talking about whether the, yeah, they, they you know, basically the said that the carpet the matched the right. Right. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh no! Would we oh. make that shit up? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> Ryan would. So <laughs> what's um? I'm I'm pretty early in the show, like I said, but it looks like this plays out true. My jump the shark thing was when I saw Stannis being first up the scaling ladder oh, yeah. on the outside of King's Landing. I was pretty sure something had just gone substantially sideways, and then apparently has played out over the rest of it. So Without I guess Stannis and right, right, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm the kind of soon to be want to be king, and I'm going to be first up the ladder through the hail of arrows and stones and everything else. Well, I'm not even supposed to be on land, but hey, what, that appears to be true for the next seasons. Is is all things Stannis was really just bizarre to me. Can you imagine the conversation that D and D had to have when they pulled David Peterson into a room and said, "Hey." We're going to need the Dothraki word for uh, pussy and uh, pubic hair. I, I bet Dobby can imagine that conversation. <laughs> just because I'm just because I'm <laughs> So if you could if you could just Dothraki that word out for us, that'd be great. I could try doing it in Welsh. You probably confuse it for Dothraki. They're pretty similar consonant wise. <laughs> Although I must admit, I haven't studied Welsh in ten years. I've forgotten the Welsh word for big hair. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if we're if we're going to answer the jump the shark question, then um, I'll say that for me it was when they contrived so hard to insert Jamie into the purple wedding that they blew his entire arc apart because they wanted to keep the the step sex in. But of course, they changed the context because he's been back in King's Landing. So, instead of the reunion weird sex we have next to Joffrey's dead corpse, they shoot an accidental rape scene and then try to pretend like they meant for it to be because saying it was an accident is worse. And um, so, yeah, that's the moment where I, I, I still watch the show, but that's where I gave up hope. Mm. 
I, that scene makes me so angry. Which it, which one? The accidental rape scene? Yeah, the the rape where they met where Jamie raped her feet. Yeah. I just I. How, how, how does one rape by accident? Well, I haven't seen that. Well, the, the the issue is that that he legitimately raped her, and then um, when people when there was a fan outcry about it, the actors were like, well, "We didn't film a rape scene," and the director is like, "That wasn't our intention at all." And then that sounded kind of worse, right? Like, Ugh. right? Because everybody viewed it as a rape scene. So then when D and D got asked about it, they were like, "Oh no, Jamie would totally do that." <laughs> not our James. Wow. Right. Hashtag, hashtag not our James. Yeah. <laughs> like Jamie, Jamie Lannister is many things, but if you read the book, <laughs> he is not a rapist. And in fact, prevents the rape of both Kia and Brienne, um, and is, a, is sort of haunted by Ares' rape of Rayella. So, you know, it's just completely antithetical to his character. It upsets me greatly. As you, as you, some of as you, should. <laughs> some of you who frequent the group know how I feel about Jamie. No, and he's uh, even closer to home. He's also haunted by what happened to Aisha. Yes. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the early divisions between Jamie and Tywin. So there's just a complete misreading of the character, and they they do all that just to it's it's all in service of you know the shock value of the purple wedding, which could be shocking on its own, and also in service of the Cersei character at the expense of basically everyone around her. But actually, that leads to a good point: the fact that Jamie, his reaction at um, at the purple wedding, throws out of the window any secrecy of Jamie's yeah. incestuous relationship. And in season since Joffrey's death, everybody seems to know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mentioned on hand, it mentions it as a phrase in season six, or they mention it to him. It, at that moment, apparently, Raven went out to every castle in Westeros to confirm that Jamie Sunnessy had an incestuous relationship. Yeah, no one which, cares. Which nobody cares anymore when it is the defining secret of the early season. Right. No one even, you know, no one's even said like, hey, so if that's, so this Tommen character then, what? He looks a lot like his older brother. Maybe this isn't legit. No one has, uh, no one cares. Yeah, and the it fact is... that Marcella, Marcella just happened to know and reveal it to Jamie the second before she died. Right, and, and not only... goes through life blissfully unaware. Right, and not only does she... Not only... That is kind of a defining characteristic of Tommen, though, to be fair. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, he is blissfully unaware, that is true. Well, poor Tommen is eight. <laughs> that's also true. I mean, that's one of the, he's a character that suffers from the, the book to screen translation in the aging up of characters where they can't make Tommen any wiser because it doesn't, it won't make any sense. But, but also then poor Tommen is just a moron. <laughs> Tommen in the books is eight and therefore, you know, easily manipulated and controlled by adults. Because eight-year-old, I could tell my six-year-old to do just about anything. There's a... Does that sound ominous to anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> well, I could certainly get her to stamp a little seal and wax. She would be just as into that as Tommen is, right? Right. Matter, and it doesn't matter what she's sealing. Exactly. It, but in respect of, in, sorry. No, I would just—it's it's funny. I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching episode uh, nine here, and. It's amazing how quick they took and just like you know I was a I'm still a fairly firm believer in the Great Northern Conspiracy. The show just says nah. Yeah. Who on that? They have no time for a conspiracy. It's all a big rush to the end. Well, especially with them shortening the seasons too. Right. I mean, there's only there's only 15 episodes left, and yeah. and shocker, Danny's still in Marine. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. See, that's you know to. 
one of the other questions we have here is most accurate portrayal of a character. I don't think they could have portrayed Danny any more accurate than she has. It's been almost 60 episodes now, and her storyline has moved forward linearly about 12 feet. <laughs> it's painful. But it really that's is. the same as it is in the book, though. Agreed. It's. I was. If anything, I was kind of hoping maybe if the show was going to be some sort of liberating, go its own way thing, that maybe, maybe the Danny character would just become relevant, or if not relevant, then at least interesting. Yeah, it has gotten better this season. Oh, stop yourself! This season of Danny, I've actually enjoyed the liberty that have been taken outside the pubic hair disaster. Right. The great pubic hair disaster of season six. It's like the Hindenburg. <laughs> it is like the Hindenburg. Well, if she's immune, if she's immune to fire... Um, <laughs> right. Surely so should the pubic hair be. Right. Um, but one, one of the things I was looking forward to when we moved beyond the box was to see a little bit of the scenes that we had imagined for years and, and, and that we could finally see realized. Finally, that happened in the last episode with uh, with Danny and, and the Targaryen. Um, that was what? actually a political alliance which, although it was rushed, although I don't think Yara would have given up the entire... Uh, Great joy way of life. So quickly, that was a well-done scene. I thought it was. Uh, it was something that the books have not shown us, and that I was okay with. Like a flashback? What? No. Uh, no, no, no. The, uh, Greyjoys. Uh, the Greyjoys. Theon and his sister Yara are. Uh, oh, I thought uh, it said something about here. Because for some reason, Yara is less confusable with Arya than Asha is. But oh, I was well at that slide with Yeah. No, they're uh, they're in. Uh, uh, I'm guessing they're playing the Victorian role in the whole yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll it'll be neat. I think it'll be neat when Theon Greyjoy uh, uh, rides one of the dragons. <laughs> it's just my so Theon. Theon managed to stay alive the whole time. Oh yeah, That's Dickless really Gormless. He's uh, broken, he's utterly broken. broken. He's almost as Gormless as Jon Snow. Almost. Stop yourself. Uh, yet, yet Alfie Allen has played Theon marvelous. Oh yeah. It's a full-on Theon redemption story. What would be more redeeming than riding a dragon in the Westeros? You heard it no. here first. <laughs> you heard, I heard it here last. <laughs> right. We're going to cut that on the... Uh, what, what, who else do you think had a, had a had accurate portrayal in the show? Some, uh, a, a, from, from the casting level all the way down to the way they're actually portrayed. Ned. Oh, well, yeah, but Sean Bean can do no wrong. It's almost hard to count some people from the first season because I, mean, I, I know it's I know it's it's like you know low hanging fruit, but I was I, I have to go here. You haven't seen this season though. No, I haven't. And like, oh shit, that was the gag reel. Like, tell tell me a dick joke. Oh, you don't have a dick. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think, I think it, it shows that the, the writers don't know how to handle the smart characters. As long as they were going off books, Tyrion and Varys first. The minute that Tyrion and Varys ran out of clever things to say that were written by George R. R. Martin, it became that's right. I That's they, don't, they don't know how to write the I'm I'm waiting for uh, like the establishing shot of the pyramids, and then they go into the room, and he's playing beer pong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for and just like this is what we do. I game show. Nice trip poker with all the unsubtle. Yes, so, something. I, I I'm truly every every second episode, every second time you see him, it's, it's they're actually just playing pyramid. <laughs> right, like. Tell me a joke. Do you know gin rummy? It's it's so weird. And you are right, Chris. You are you're dead on. But as as long as they have material, they were that they could adapt. Um, 
you know, he was winning Emmys. Yeah. And and they ran out of material, and they have no idea. They have no idea how to write. Uh, uh, good. I mean, selfishly good. I, I hope it just caused the whole thing to collapse. <laughs> well, this. So this is the the most interesting question that I had on here because I I can't wait to hear your answers. Where does the show improve the story? And that's I, kind of the answer off. I thought I was going to have. <laughs> I thought I had crickets. Well, what I would I, say is that sorry. I'm, I'm, everything I say becomes more and more useless as I go on here, realizing how much of the show I'm missing. And apparently, since somebody just let out that Asha slash whatever the hell they decided to call her and Theon are up to some sort of activity in the Marine, I would have said minimizing the Greyjoys and all the Iron Island story was the best thing the show did. You shut your whole mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, summoning in for Rob? <laughs> House Greyjoy is my favorite house. Not oh, I thought I was safe with Rob down here. That's our that's our resident Pike Homer. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that whole storyline's sucking. I could not have cared less about the Greyjoys, and then I heard uh, George read uh, that chapter in Baltimore, and um, I am a changed woman. Which chapter? He read the uh, <laughs> he read a damp hair chapter from Winds that he's never read aloud before. Oh. See. It's called The Forsaken, and it was it was insane. Can we touch for a second about the fact that the character's name is Damp Hair? <laughs> What's his nickname? Yeah, but still. <laughs> well, Rob, what did Rob call him all year last year? The Damp Fair? Damp Fair, yeah. Which is how I always read it, also. How can you possibly... I never... I'm the same way. I never read it as Damp Hair. Because phonetically, really? PHs make... F- Noises. Look, he's a, he's a long haired water priest. Just, bro. <laughs> yeah, I get that, but <laughs> yeah, but it's one word. It's one word. So a pH, just like in the word, I don't know, phone. Dalfam. Which That's how I read it, and then and then somebody was like, I said it out loud, and they were like, who? And I was like, really? Come on, damn fair. It was me on, like, okay. on this show. <laughs> okay, my bad. You're like, no, Jack Hole. It's damp hair. Like, well, that's that seems. I'm not saying it's awesome. I'm just <laughs> like that seems <laughs> lazy. <laughs> Hey, what do we call this guy? I don't know. His hair's wet. Fajord. Uh, moist mane? No, not moist mane. Call him damp hair. That'll work. I, I enjoy <laughs> the fact that the islands in the middle of the ocean found someone so damp they had to make anger. <laughs> 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 okay, do, do we consider there might be like a, a second level to this nickname? Like, is the man, is the man profusely sweating? He, he's he, soggy all the time. Is he always <laughs> clammy? Exactly. He's cl- but that's all the great toys. They come across I, all I can think of is uh, uh, Dr. Horrible's sidekick. Right? Moist Man? Moist Man. Very much so. Totally with you. Like an envelope sealed, or if I can do anything for you, damn hair. Yeah, so I got nothing for your, your... I have no answer for you. I. <laughs> what, what I will say for this question is, it's not a direct answer. I do think that some of the scenes that the show has created have been runaway successful. For example, one uh, storyline I've greatly enjoyed is Marjorie's redemption and, and Tommen aligned with, with the faith. Because it felt like we were watching the Game of Thrones again. It felt like we were seeing characters make sensible moves to advance their faith. It's, not, it's nowhere in the, in the books. It's a completely storyline which I thought worked very well. If Marjorie, from a position of complete weakness, of complete destruction, building herself back up by manipulating the men around her. Um, and I thought that was a highlight. I thought the flow of, this, of, of King's Landing that had been very sluggish all season, there was gradient. No, no, no. I, I was trying. To, no, sure. I, was, I was trying to come up with. No, I agree with you. I was trying to come up with a, uh, a, a like a rejoinder there, and I couldn't make the words come out of my mouth. I'm still licking my wounds because Kristen's humbled me again. 
my fool mouth here. So fine, <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah, when you when you first came into the group, I think you called out uh, some sort of trivia challenge. No, 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 I didn't. Yes, you did. <laughs> I did something, but it wasn't that. You called out, Kristen. Uh, not helping. I'll be not well, helping at all. But we, it was a misunderstanding, was it not? Right. Purely semantic error, yes. which I apologize profusely. Right. I think not, that's the first time Cordero is humble. It's true. I, I have a <laughs> pride before the fall. It is my deal. So. We have no issues. <laughs> Believe me, I, I get I get he I get per, I get private messages from people on Facebook that you know you're a cunt. Fuck Stop. You. Uh, oh, are you serious? Absolutely. So See, that, um, that's, that's a small right. misunderstanding in the group is nothing. But you, you, it's true. You are you are a lightning rod for trolls, and, and it, I think part of it is the fact that are the first to engage them and. And, and wear them down with absolute facts, with absolute you know, security, and they can't if, take it. it. That's awful. If it if it helps your cause at all, I, I, since I have now you know become your your humble servant in this, um, <laughs> I, I am actually about the size of Dunk. Um, so if you want me to go and hunt some of these people down, or just be like uh, the, the physical shield to your your verbal policing of people, I will be that. That's so sweet. This is so, this is still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> no the only leg I ever had to stand on was being like this uh, this book knowledge voice of reason on this sorry show. And, uh, <laughs> I, while I'm not I'm not bad, I'm clearly uh, not at the elite level. So there are I don't think you there hasn't been one uh, lately unless I missed it. But uh, Nick, you haven't been a party to a a thread in the group that starts out as like a. Uh, you can almost tell when there's a post that you should pay attention to because it's gonna it's gonna devolve, <laughs> and it's gonna but it's gonna devolve into like um at a certain point it turns into who can post a funnier meme and then it and then it devolves <laughs> right back out into like petty squabble and then there's some some uh, band hammering and I then... just have no I have no capacity for that Ryan oh. I don't have I have zero capacity have, for the nonsense have... and like the the keyboard bustle and all that shit <laughs> Nick I've pulled over for like 45 minutes <laughs> to read a 600 <laughs> post <laughs> And then the problem, well, there's, there's that one post that keeps popping back up. It was just, uh, the, it was, the eat a dick post. The eat a dick post. <laughs> That's my finest hour in the group by a long shot. Hey, absolutely. And then suddenly there's like bronze statues of penises and, oh, and. There's a, there's a thread that, um, I was in very early on where you could tell that the guy was going to get hammered. And of course, um. He blocked me before that. So I can get notifications on the post, and the guy's been banned, but I can't comment in the thread to this day. <laughs> and so I can only read you guys having the best time and posting memes, and I can't comment in it, and it, like, Well, just me. send it to me, and I will, I will be the mouthpiece for your thoughts. <laughs> That's a job like it's I've discovered it's like the totally it's the most torturous thing that ever happened to me. I I love I, I I absolutely love when I haven't commented on it yet and it's getting there it's getting there it's almost getting there to where it's, it's gonna someone's gonna just be shot down and and I can like I like to be the I have great pride in being the first one to post like a Michael Jackson eating popcorn. <laughs> Like, just, I'm just here for the show. Just don't mind me. I'm lurking. Oh, God, I love it. I love what, it. What's stunning is after nine years in that group, I still see things that I hadn't seen before. I still see trolls and stupid comments. But I'm like, wow, that is actually a fresh insight. <laughs> today, today we had one. 
the size of the battle saying oh, quite a number of reasonable gripes against the episode. And we literally had three or four people in the space of an hour say that anyone who watches the show while disliking it did not have an opinion, should not have an opinion, simply their opinion did not matter. In a thread dedicated to that very topic. <laughs> I will. What what level of isolated capital of basement dwelling troll have to be? To consider that as an accurate addition to the content. I, I sometimes try and put myself in the in their definition. Uh, I, I systematic fail. I can't grasp that level of social analysis. There's there is a lot of white noise to sift through. There's also an alarming, yeah. especially, and I didn't realize until after Sunday's episode, we have almost an alarming amount of uh, medieval battle historians <laughs> um, in our group. I mean, like the improper use of a blood tail? Oh, yeah. Or like uh, in medieval warfare, one would never use a goofy foot stance with a two-handed broadsword. It just wouldn't be practical. And I know because I've studied medieval warfare. Right, I do a lot of LARPing in my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, actually, it's actually true. We, and, and some of them are dicks about it. Some of them are smug and you have to smack them down a bit. But we do have historians, we have artists, we have you know, convention organizers, we have people who are close to George R. R. Martin. Hell, we've had Brian Cogman be part of the group for a very short time. You do Ooh. have people on there who know their stuff. And I think there's this feeling that because it's a fantasy show and a fantasy and fantasy series of books, anything goes. Any opinion is valid. Any theory should be entertained. But after 20 years of existence, no. At some point, it becomes a field of study like any other. Um, and there are some things that are just no longer applicable. Well, and there's a big difference between I have a theory and here are my textual points to support my theory and wouldn't it be cool if... Yeah. And 95% of what gets posted in the group, especially during show season, are of the wouldn't it be cool if variety. And I don't, I have my wouldn't it be cool if moments just like any other fan. But the things that are actually worth talking about is the shit you can support. And, and I think people have a really hard time with that. They just don't know the difference between the two. And and they're just all caught up in anything could happen. It's a fantasy. And why are you why are you so hung up on why this shouldn't be able to happen in a world where dragons live? And I'm like, well, in a world where dragons live, there still have to be rules. You know, like there's no in George's world, like there everything is foreshadowed long before it happens. He's very careful about that kind of stuff. He doesn't pull shit out of his ass. It's all there, and um, and it's not you know, a world centered on magic either. And this show, it's a fictional story, but still somewhat yeah, trying to follow. A, there's a real world there that, like, he builds that, like, it has to have some sort of law and order to it, and like laws of physics, and you know, it's like, well, well wouldn't it be cool if everyone suddenly could sprout wings and fly? Well, sure, but that's not going to happen. I can rule that out. So I can also rule out all this other crap. It's noise. You're right. It's a lot of white noise. Have you, um, Kristen, or any of you read Wing slash fanfiction? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry? No. Have I Wing, read it? Yes. Wing slash fanfiction is a genre of fanfiction in which you have homosexual pairings of characters that are in all ways normal, except that they all have giant butterflies. Oh, no, I've never read anything like that. My goodness. <laughs> My first, my, it is wow. relevant. I'm, I'm, I'm coming round to you. Is, is this Rule Thirty Four? It's no, no, no. This is way beyond Rule Thirty Four. Yeah, this is. Yeah. I, was, I was first introduced to this by a Chinese Orient friend of mine. <laughs> what the sweet house. hell? Hold on, you gotta tell the story slower. Hard <laughs> <laughs> fiction in which um, Stalin and Chairman Mao were gay lovers who tried to have giant butterflies. <laughs> 
I need to know about digging when you first met the Chinese historian and start digging <laughs> digging slowly into that. I, I then found a number of pairings of Game of Thrones inspired characters with giant butterflies. That's like, amazing. Like Tormund and Rattleshirt. I don't remember that specific pairing. But oh, I would bad. think that that would be pretty right for the Theon and Rob pairing. People love them. Wings slash fanfic. Why butterfly? Yeah. Do they ever do they ever come into play? Like do they do they take a spoon? Is there a love making uh, while in flight? I, I think that I will um, stop my perverse revealings right now. And, and <laughs> Too late. Dig, and, and let you dig to your heart. Today. You were all in it at Chinese Hussar, Frank. So <laughs> just keep it rolling. <laughs> For me, there's going to be a touch of historical accuracy. Even <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, hey, Joe. Yeah. Just, uh, I'm just throwing this out here. There's a uh, uh, there's a great episode title, um, Wings slash Fan Fiction. Yep. <laughs> just so you know, it's going to throw it. People are going to be like, oh, cool, we got another uh, uh, Song of Ice and Fire centric episode with the, those guys from that group. It's neat. Why is it called Wings slash Fan Fiction? Uh, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a story. That's a story. I want to know more about. <laughs> I think we'll do that off air. That's fine. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. You, you do realize that the fact that we started talking about this means that somewhere, at some point in the future, someone will write geek cast feet wings slash fan. That's fine. If I have to, if I will. I will have a homoerotic relationship with Nick Cordero if I can have monarch butterfly wings and somebody else writes it. Okay. Uh, I, wow. <laughs> I guess if I'm in, I can kind of be Mothma then. <laughs> yeah, you could have moth wings. It could be like a like a. I could angler fish you with a light that you can't, you know, stop coming towards. Phrasing. Stop coming towards. Phrasing. <laughs> Last question I had for you guys. Uh, some predictions for the upcoming uh, season of the show, and some predictions for Winds of Winter that maybe you might have, grounded in historical Chinese accuracy. <laughs> Just the most accurate of accuracies. Well, surprisingly, I think the show is actually going to um, stick to the Cersei Wildfire plot and the uh, James the Car. I believe it will will be in. Well, I think we'll see the Wildfire in Wind, and we'll see when he kills Cersei. Maybe towards the end of the book. Um, I think he will kill Cersei. I think he on the show. Um, I think he will do it for just. They'll kill her in both the show and the production. Yeah, I think a, a show Larry, right? Like Tom and Larry or Carol, uh, because, you know, she had audacity with their cousin Lancet. Mm. Um, in the books, I think we'll do it because she's gone to catch Psycho and needs to be stopped before other people. Can. Yeah, well, yeah, he, I mean, he's done that before. Yeah. So. All right, burn them all as his line in the sand. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's pretty exactly. much yeah. Um, I think the wall will fall into or be breached in a very serious way. Breached in a secret way, is that what you said? A serious way. Oh, serious way. But the others will have to come up and just Yeah, and that and that wall will come just up Karugula down. It has no. to. No! No! <laughs> it has to. And, and, and back up with my textual evidence, uh, because Danny has her... Her, her dream vision where she's on um, Dragonback. She's riding Dragon and Enemy in flame at um, the Trident. And of course, they're armored all in. So we'll see a big showdown that will change the question of what again um, at the Trident. Wow. Mm. And um, have, I has think it, that, go ahead. No, no, please. I, more of a question, I guess, is from 
what I'm hearing here. It's a really pretty finite directional difference because it seems like the books are, are, or at least George is committed to the Dorn storyline and all the pieces are in play there where the show is obviously left behind. So do you see it just going completely different directions? And I think, um, I, I hate to, the, and Dobby, please hop in here. Um, I, I hate to say the show thing about what's happening, but, but I've always thought that uh, we would see more of an alliance between Dorn and, and the Tegan story, and that's going to prove to be after it for all. I think he probably dies, um, and they will have something with him. And yeah. I can see the show is just going to eliminate all that. There's doing that, and there's no John Connor, John Connington. None of that's happening. There's the Black Firefly that I just they're cut all out of way. And so maybe to do all that and and they're like this is complicated. I, I don't know why this is doing. It doesn't make any sense to me because it killed the six. Yeah. In terms of season seven of the show, season seven and eight, we need to, it's difficult, but we need to mentally uncouple completely from the books. Yeah. I think you're, you're beginning to see little scenes that show where they're going. For example, um, the Hound siding with the Brotherhood and, and, and saying they're going to go north. They're beginning to clearly move the pieces into place for the final showdown. Yeah, what, that, I th- what I think is that the invasion of the White Walkers will ultimately be very disappointing on the show. I think they've been they've been built up for so long but so inconsistently that I don't see the show committing to maybe yeah the wall will come down and Winterfell will fall but I don't see the show committing to wholesale destruction of half of the realm by the White Walker. I think that's Danny awful. Will, will I think Danny will rock it same way because they need to have Danny do something heroic before maybe what I expect is he will die in the show saving the realm from the White Walker, which he knows nothing about right now. Um, so I, I I expect that to be a disappointing ending. Yuck. In for the books, what I think is, is a very interesting storyline that's being developed, but a lot of people are picking up on it, is Euron Greyjoy trying to become a god. Um, I think you're seeing him uh, gather to him priests of every faith. Obviously, he has Red Priest, he has um, Piat Pri, the Warlock. Um, he has damp hair, which if you read the, the chapter that uh, that George R. R. Martin read at Balticon, we'll tell you more about that. What I think is Euron is trying to become a god, or at least something akin to that, um, and that will see the end of the Greyjoy ways, because I think the Greyjoys will realize the, the, the iron price is no longer sustainable given their numbers and given their failure, and the man they've chosen to lead them is, is a maniac. Um, so I think that's how the Iron Island sort of fits back into the, the, the conventional civilization of the seven. Uh, maybe somebody like Asha. Exactly. I think, I think they will end up following our show. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little something that isn't seen in the show well with um, with women, maybe in all the things, as opposed to men. Women running north, a woman running the Iron Islands, women uh, from land, and then be a woman everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you take you could have, you know, from Sansa in the north to Yar in the Iron Islands to... I don't know Danny what... The throne. I, like, I like that theory. That's There's something there. I, I like the theory... No, I, I like the. I don't know if Jordan Martin would go like all in on a on a feminist vision of of, uh, of of the kingdoms, but certainly I think that's what he's been striving towards the entire time—a more equal uh, vision of power. Yeah, at least we're out of women too. Oh no, Christian! No, out. Christian, come back! Go away! Go stand on the roof. <laughs> Uh, take the foil and you got to put it on the rabbit ears. Right, you got to take it off your head. You move the rabbit ears until the the fuzzy TV screen comes back into play, and then you hook on your younger brother into holding it still. Kristen's butterfly wings are picking up into the. It's a real problem. You can't hear me. Got you now. Okay, yeah, a little bit better now. You were doing. 
doing the, uh, we got the every third syllable trick. Oh, no, that's terrible. I'm sorry. We got the gist, I think. Women rule the world. Fine. We agree. Do, does everybody, well, not, do we believe that, that George has his entire endgame you know, solidified at this point, or do you think he's still uh, kind of organically hashing out um, how the story closes? Yeah. <laughs> I think a little of both. I, I think that uh, he has a plan, but um, I think uh, things happen in the telling. I really I hope he does that. because I really hope he does because I don't want an eight book. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I think that's still the risk. Absolutely. But I, I almost kind of like how much he's unhappy with where the show's going. Maybe that gets a, a more satisfying final print version of the story. I hope so. Keep my fingers crossed for that. Well, I can only say that the, that chapter he read um, gave me no. I I I don't worry about the quality of the material he is churning out. That is for sure. No. Um, what what I think is we need I think Feast of Feast for Crows and, and, and Dance with Dragons were excellent books. It took a while for people to realize that because of the high that Storm of Swords was. But I think he, he fans will want to go back to a more um, active movement towards the end game. You know, I think yeah, start book, to streamline I don't think the story book four a little and five bit. But if, I think if, I'm not saying it's stagnating, but if book six is a similar book, I could see a, a lot of people being disappointed. Yep, agreed. I think we're all in for a treat. I do too. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be. I think we're all. And, and what's, what I'm really, the most that I'm looking forward through with the book is that I wasn't part of the group when dance came out. Um, I was part of another Song of Ice and Fire group, uh, and so I've never been part of the group when people have been uh, devouring a new release. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, how, I guess how does how does the group handle that? I mean, I guess there's a moratorium on discussion. I would assume since people well, read at different paces. One one thing that is startling. The group has existed for going on 10 years, and we've only had that one. Right. We've only had it for Winds of Winter, because the group was started in 2006, after uh, Feast of Crows came out. So we, mm. what happened when, when Dance with Dragons came out is um, we did something that maybe, I don't we'll have to see if it works this time, we have more people. But we had a 24-hour moratorium, and then we had one dedicated thread. Only one thread where people could discuss the group. It was covered in spoiler alerts. And then after 48 hours, it was open season. We could talk about whatever you wanted I think we would actually have to, um, we can go, if we want to do that, we would have to um, change the group settings temporarily where yeah. uh, Thread would require admin approval because it's with 46,000 people, it's just, it'll be chaos. There'll be some asshole. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And more than one. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and I think, I think, and I agree completely. It's gonna, we, we will have to move to admin approval for 48 hours. Say seventeen assholes. Because and you know, I we want to read it too. The admins will, you know, will want to read it just as badly as everybody else. And um, you know, as much as I don't mind talking about reading spoiler chapters or you know talking about the show in production or any, like I'm definitely not spoiler averse, but I I want to sit down and enjoy that book and not police what people are doing. So Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to take uh, turns. We'll have to recruit Nick to replace you as admin while you're reading. Just so you oh, yeah. I'd love to be a stand-in admin <laughs> filter guy. That's actually hard to say. Suits me. Stand-in admin. Yeah. Yep, that's me. Stand-in. I can't say it. Any, uh, any belief that we will have said book in hand by the end of 2016? No. 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 Nope. Nope. 2017. November 2017, I'm saying. June, July, twenty seventeen. I'm I'm with Chris on that one. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long wait. But you can't rush. You can't rush perfection, Nick. I mean, you know, 
What else can we do? Can't do. Well, no, well, just keep discussing. I'm, I'm just, I'm torn very much in the idea of how much time, too much time, the works of art in general, whether it's musical albums or films, sequels, or in this case, book sequels. Um, it's kind of approaching that apex, you know. I, I'm wondering if he's not, and this is just pure conjecture. I'm wondering if he's not writing uh, Winds and a, uh, a Dream for Spring at the same time. Well, he's sort uh, of always done that. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the chapters he had at the, you know, for wins were things he pulled from Dan. In fact, the the Mercy chapter, right, the the Arya chapter that he right. released a year ago. I mean, that was pulled from Feast. So he pulled that one from Feast, and then he was going to put it in Dance, and then he pulled it from Dance, and now it's for Wins. So he's always writing for the characters and then just shuffles the pieces around. So I would not be at all surprised that he has, you know, portions of it that will that are written for A Dream of Spring already, just because they won't go in The Winds of Winter. I'm actually going to ask a question to, to Kristen and, and to the rest of you. Do you think, as I do, that George R. R. Martin is actually tired of writing this? I think he, he certainly is enjoying the, the, the fame, but the amount of pressure and the amount of time that is now being put upon him, I genuinely think he might be tired. He might just I, absolutely, be, I absolutely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that. I would think the pressure must be um, immense. And, um, and the way... Uh, because of the length between books and and that he he does reward the reread, right? Like I imagine his rewriting process must be fairly intense too, because we find everything, right? We find the mistakes, we find the hints, we you know. Um, so I think it must be incredibly hard to write to that expectation. Absolutely. Oh yeah. At, at, at his age, at the at, you know, swallowed up by the immense success, popularity, of course, got away heavy. I mean, he does call it Kong. Yes. Well, I guess that's what he called Dance. Now, uh, Winds has another nickname. Son of Kong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, mm-hmm. what are you geeking on this week? I've so I've actually just started reading two fantasy series. Um, I, my wife and I are now obsessed with Outlander, which I know is not a new uh, a new concept. It's been very popular for the last two seasons. However, uh, one of the admins on the group told me that the Outlander books were, to her, as good as A Song of Ice and Fire. Well, I've just finished the first one, and I actually have to agree. They are phenomenal. Wow. I, I, I mean, they're... they're I know the word feminist fantasy sounds weird, but it is great fantasy, written, I think, with a strong female progress that I've never seen written as convincing, um, and, I, and I cannot recommend it enough. The second thing that I'm keeping on this week is a trilogy, sorry, a, a six-book series called The Alchemist. Uh, it's about the uh, Nicholas Flamel, who was a, a scientist in, in the Middle Ages, an alchemist in the Middle Ages. He's actually mentioned Harry Potter as well. It's a young adult book series, which put me off initially because I'm not too much into young adult. Uh, however, it's a great amount of fun. It's it's nowhere near the level of Song of Ice and Fire Outlander, but as a book to read on your way to work in the subway, it is absolute perfect. I cannot recommend it. Wow. Brad. Who, uh, who's the author of that Outlander? It's uh, Michael Stott. <laughs> Not from the author. Of <laughs> 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 <Of> Outlander? <laughs> no, no, no. Of Outlander is Diana Gabaldon, and uh, of the Alchemist series, it's, uh, it's Michael Stott. Yeah. Like, like from Threat Level Midnight? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Nick, what are you geeking on this week? Uh, all jokes aside, I've been completely buried um, the last week, so the very, very, very little bit of free time that I've had has been watching Game of Thrones TV show to try and get at least a little bit of something of substance for the show, but which I failed, but <laughs> I will persevere. 
but to cover me as always, uh, my man Joe. Um, lots of things, but uh, mostly this uh, game I finally downloaded today uh, called This War of Mine. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, any thoughts so far? Have you played it yet? I've already killed somebody. Oh, nice. Um, it's a it's a very fairly realistic um, sort of wartime survival game. And you start with like three people and you just have to keep them alive. And there are no instructions. Uh, one of my guys started off with a fever. Um, one of the first places I raided had like a suicide note uh, from a, a guy who watched his daughters get murdered in front of him. Um, so it's a really intense game that I think it's designed to to highlight the horrors of war from a civilian perspective, uh, because a lot of a lot of the stuff that we hear, a lot of stuff that we see in the media and and in movies and things, focuses on the soldiers and and the effects of war on on their psyches, and we don't do very much to see how it affects uh, the average citizen. And uh, this game does a good job, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to play it, play more of it. Um, I, uh, I beat up an old lady and stole her diamonds so I could trade them for cigarettes. Nice. And what happened to you when you were playing the game? <laughs> oh, my God. Rimshot, rimshot, symbol. Kristen, what are you geeking on? Okay, well, um, actually, I am reading, um, much to my chagrin, I have never read the Farseer trilogy. So I have embarked on that, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's about it, because uh, work is killing me. <laughs> right? <laughs> we've, uh, we've all been doing a lot of reading this week, turns out. Uh, I just picked back up uh, Richard Adams' Watership Down. Ooh, nice. Which is one of my favorites. And, it's phenomenal. Uh, I decided to give her a reread. So, you know what they say. All the world will be your enemy, Prince of a Thousand Enemies. When they catch you, they'll kill you. I have uh, to catch you. They say that. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. By the way, I'm watching some sort of movie with Kit Harrington in it. No. Pompeii? Nope, because uh, there's airplanes. So it's not Pompeii. I can't look at him in another... I feel like he's being, like, like uh, you know that skit with Seth Meyers where they invited Jon Snow out to dinner? Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's like I'm watching some sort of spoof of, like, Jon Snow in a London subway tunnel. Uh, I, I'm, looking, I I'm, I'm on his IMDb, but I'm not trying to find it. I can't take it seriously. I think he's, like, a spy or something. Oh, my God. I know what you're watching. One of my, so there's a, there's a BBC TV show called Spooks. They did ten seasons of it, and it's a, it's actually a pretty good show. Where they it's very dark, very serious. It's sort of the British version of Twenty Four. Okay. British spies and MI Five and how they fight. It's super dark, and they about five years after the show ended, they made a movie called in England Spooks, and in America MI Five, and Kit Harrington was cast in that. Well, it's a lot of him running. It's <laughs> no joke. I've seen him. He's, all he does is run, and then he has that gormless look on his face. Are you sure you're not thinking of Tom Cruise? I'm. That's all he does have, in movies. I don't have Joe Fajardo. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's it's the it's the movie It's it's a movie continuation of a long running BBC spy series in which he wasn't in it. They just cast Kit Harrington in the sequel movie. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, I'm always humbled when you guys come on the show because I think I have a pretty good grasp on these books, and uh, I don't. <laughs> There you do. So, uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, where where can our listeners find the group? How can they find the group? If, uh, if you go on Facebook and you type Song of Ice and Fire into the search group, we're the first group to come up. After the official, after the page, the first group is us. 
That's pretty simple. Yeah. That's, yeah. Actually, that's actually we, we, we have about 47,000 members. Yeah, you, uh, uh, up about uh, 1,500 members since the last time you were on. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's, because the, that's the clip. In the last two days, we've had an influx of about 300 members, all of them from Poland. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that post about that. Yeah. Apparently, someone from our group who's Polish is in a Polish Song of Ice Fire group and posted about our group and said, hey, it's cool, check it out, and then they all came. <laughs> Infiltrated the red waste there's, again. Oh yeah, there's no one. No one's saying that uh, that they can't infiltrate us. Just saying <laughs> yeah, they, they can try. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been lurking. For, I'm waiting for my time to strike in the in the red waste. I'm actually searching for the heart of the paladin, uh, and I'm going to try to fight <laughs> oh. in solo combat. So that is that. You're. I go in there every now and then, and I go. <laughs> I like to. Uh, every time there's a post that is, uh, well, every time there's a post, it's horribly, it's horribly objectifying to women or racist or blatantly pornographic. Uh, I screen cap it and then I message all their admins and ask them if, uh, if this is allowed in their group. And I do that until they boot me. Have they booted you yet? Not yet, but I also haven't started yet. I'm oh. embedding myself as, uh, as one of them. <laughs> So well, I've just you, I've just outed myself though now. So I, I tried to get people to come with me. Uh, I thought maybe Thino was going to come with me, but uh, I don't think he did. That's because Thino chooses life. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thino has a family. <laughs> uh, well, Chris KRT, thank you for uh, thanks for joining us, and it won't be the last time I'm sure because there's always stuff to talk about when it comes to Westro. And don't forget, look up the wing slash country. Oh, oh right. <laughs> look it up. We well, got right to it. <laughs> I will probably not put a link in the show notes. You have to. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you put the link in the show notes, I will write any cast wings last time. Can you incorporate it into the, the tourney? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for having me. It was Come back time. soon. That's absolutely our pleasure. That was great. Thank you. And, uh, tape and plug. We've got plug. Follow us on Twitter at GeekCast Live, GeekCast Base, GeekCast Rye, GeekCast Joe, and GeekCast Nick, and check out our very active Facebook group and Facebook page, not surprisingly found by searching for GeekCast Live. If you have listened to the show before, you are most likely familiar with the guys from Wayward Raven. And if you haven't listened to the show, you're going to have to just trust me on this one. These guys are the best and have some kick-ass wares over at waywardraven.com. So head over there and check them out. Use our discount code NECKBEARD and save yourself some dollar bills. If you like what we do and want even more of it, support the show at Patreon.com. Patreon is a website that allows listeners like you to support your favorite artists, musicians, and high-functioning creatives. So head on over to Patreon and search GeekCast Live today. In a poll where Professor Xavier, Luke Skywalker, and Garfield the Cat were all asked, what is their favorite coffee? None of them answered because they're all fictional characters. But if they could, they would have said Death Wish Coffee, the world's strongest coffee. Be sure to check them out at deathwishcoffee.com and be sure to hit them up on the iTunes or Google Play. Check out Death Wish Coffee. Operation Supply Drop has been with us from the beginning, and we are a better podcast for it. These guys send video game care packages to our troops both domestic and abroad, and have raised well over a million dollars in doing so. 
If you could help us return the favor by following them on Twitter at OP Supply Drop and by checking them out at OperationSupplyDrop.org, we would thank you most kindly. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the GeekCast Live podcast. This week's bit of bass is Heart Ray by Negaren.
understand.